Welcome to Boomers on Fire with educator, philanthropist, and mentor, Dr. Cynthia. Get ready to refire your life by listening to inspiring interviews with vibrant boomers who are rocking their retirement. Whatever the retiree is doing, we want you to hear about it so that it will spark something in you so that you can decide how you want to live in your second half of life. You will be exposed to new possibilities and new opportunities. It's time to refire, reinvent, and reimagine your second half of life with your host, Dr. Cynthia. Welcome to Boomers on Fire. I am your host, Dr. Cynthia, and I'm thrilled that you're here with me today. Today, I would like to share one of my favorite quotes from Mark Twain. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did. Our guest today is Roz McCarthy. She's an example of a woman who will not be disappointed by the things she didn't do. Roz has had an amazing career in education. She has lived and centered her life on community service and education. She served on the Board of Education for eight years. That is no easy task. Her professional career spans over 35 years in various positions in the fields of education, from English teacher to assistant high school principal and director of the Center of Global Studies. In her last position, she had the opportunity to travel extensively to Morocco, Qatar, Egypt, Japan, and China. Now that she's retired, she continues to use her skills, expertise, and wisdom to reach out to the community through her monthly column, Chalk Talk, which keeps the readers informed about education and what's going on in the community. She will tell you more about this in her interview. So, Roz, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you for thinking of me. So, Roz, how did your first career prepare you or not prepare you for what you're doing today in your second half of life? Um, Well, I think it prepared me um, more than I would have imagined when I was actually working. This is my fourth year of retirement. And one of the things I'm doing in retirement is I'm writing a column for the Norwalk Hour on education. And I've never written anything before. I was never a writer, never a columnist, never a journalist. However, when I was a teacher, I taught journalism and I was the advisor to the school newspaper. So for my whole teaching career, I was telling kids how to write for a newspaper, but I had never done it myself in my real life. So when I retired, I said, I I think I ought to try to do what I'd been preaching and rather than just talking about it. So I started doing that. And the other thing I'd say, I was so, my whole career was in education, so the things that I'm doing in volunteer work are all centered around education. It's like I can't get away. So I I would say that my career really set me up for my retired career. That's amazing. I have also learned that that education is my DNA, and when we have the DNA, we just have to proceed with that DNA. Absolutely. So, Roz, yeah. So what, what was it like to go from a complete structure to no structure at all? 
Well, um, you know, my last part of my career, I was a um, I was a high school I was the principal of the Center for Global Studies, and that is a nonstop nonstop career. I mean, from the minute you walk in the door at 7 a.m. to the minute you walk home at 6 p.m., you're thinking about what happens in school, what you have to do, all the things that you have to get ready, and all the problems you're trying to solve. So not having that is a major change in life. And a friend of mine just asked a great question. She's thinking about retiring. So she asked me, what do you actually think about when you're retired? Not what do you do, but what do you think about? And I thought that's a great question. So I found that... um, that was part of what I had to fill, not just what am I actually doing with my day, but what am I thinking about with my day. So um, to go from complete structure to no structure, I realized that, well, one of my friends said, do a trip in September so you won't be sad when when everybody goes back to school. So I did. We We took a lovely trip with some friends in September of my first year of retirement. And then when I came back, my husband, who had already been retired for eight years, he started doing the routines of his retired life, and I had no routines. And I said, oh, this will never work. I I have no routines. I must have routine in my life. So one thing I did was um, a friend of mine and I had talked about, well, we're going to start going to a gym. So we started doing that in a very routine kind of way. But that's when also I had this idea for Chalk Talk for a monthly column. And I approached the editor at the hour, and he knew me from my Board of Education days. And I asked him, what about an education column devoted to to the good things that happen in Norwalk, not the political stuff, but the good things that are happening in the schools um, with a a way of writing about it that's very intimate. I'll go into the classrooms, I'll sit in on on the classes, I'll talk to the teachers, and then I'll write about the initiatives that are happening. And he said, fine, great. So all of a sudden I had structure. I was daily, I was going to the gym, I was thinking about what I was going to write about, I had to go interview people, I had to write, I had to do all these things that gave a structure to my time. And of course, you know, I also had grandchildren, so I, you know, we worked in all of that kind of stuff and um so but it was really important, really important to me to have an orderly plan for my days. Otherwise, I would be I would just be wasting a lot of time. Let me put it like that. Yeah, that um, having that structure and doing something that that you're happy and meaningful for you is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so do you face any? No. Could you give us a little bit more about chalk talk? Give me a, like a specific topic. I know it's a monthly column. And so how do you come up with the the topics for the column? And give me a specific example about what you write about. Well, I'll give you an example for the last column that I just wrote. I I came up with a bunch of topics when I first thought of the idea for the column. I came up with a lot of topics. And what happens is in the course of talking to people and interviewing people and meeting other people, I get more and more ideas. So And I keep a list of all my ideas um, in one place, so that when I'm thinking, what am I going to write about this month, I look at my list and come up with things. 
but um, a teacher or a principal had told me about a a program called Spark that's uh, trying to work with kids from kindergarten to second grade who already are identified as academically promising, and it gives them a summer class, um, a summer summer school experience that's designed to encourage their potential and to to get them ready for going into the academically talented program in order to diversify the academically talented program in Norwalk. So that was the topic, and I had known about it for a year, but when the summer came, I said, this is perfect. So I had to get in touch with the principal of the school who got me in touch with the teachers. So I went in one day, and I... um, sat in on three classes, uh, kindergarten, first, and second grade. Um, I took notes. I watched what the kids were doing. I chatted with the teachers when they had some free time. I also talked to the people from UConn who were directing this program. Uh, They happened to be there that day. I, I went on a day I knew they were there, so I interviewed them. And then I had to interview the director of the research grant that's in charge of this whole program, so I talked to her on the phone. So that was the the uh, interview process, which was pretty extensive. I mean, it took me quite a while. And then I had to make sure with the hour that they had pictures the, to arrange a photographer. And, um, and then I had to sit down and write it. So while it only comes out once a month, they're fairly long articles, about 900 words, which is pretty long for a newspaper article. So um, it takes me about... Um, maybe about three or four hours to write a draft, and then I think about it a little bit. My husband reads it, and we I revise it. So it's it's a big chunk of my month to think about what I'm going to write about, do all the interviewing, set up the times, uh, make sure we have a photographer, write the column, proofread, 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 and then send it in. That's amazing, Roz. And what a service to the community because the community wouldn't know about such a program unless you brought it to their attention. Well, I deliberately try to cover things that are not written about, that are not newsy, that are not like something's happening, but the things that are happening every day in classrooms. Like one one of my columns was about a teacher who went um who wanted to do a uh, paperless classroom. She didn't want the kids handing in papers and she didn't want to be reading papers. So everything was done on the computer in her class. So that was just, you know, that was one teacher. It was certainly not something that was newsworthy, but it was interesting. Um I I wrote about um, you know, summer school classes. I wrote about um a TV program at Norwalk High. So, but a lot of the things, a culinary program at Norwalk High, a lot of the things are not, nothing's happening, but they're happening all the time, and therefore they're of interest. And um, within my articles, I also try to bring in a little bit of research, of educational research, of what to put to put these programs into context. So. Um, I also do research on the web on a lot of the educational issues that that surround these programs. So it's really fun. I'll tell you, the best part for me is when I bump into people in the supermarket or on the street, and they'll say to me, oh, I read your column all the time. I really enjoy it. And that's really, really fulfilling. And I, I know that puts a, a beautiful smile on your face. It absolutely does. Um, I, I love it. <laughs> so it, yeah. it makes me feel yeah. that... 
Because you never know when you write something. You never know who's actually reading it, you know. That's right. And and it sounds to me like you're actually doing what you were teaching those students in the journalism class. I, that's right. That's right. Like sometimes I'll, um, I've got my first draft and it's 950 words or it's 1,000 words. And I say, okay, I've got to cut this down. And then I start doing the cutting process. But I'm looking at every sentence. How can I make this sentence tighter? How can I make this sentence tighter? And those were things that I taught over and over and over to high school kids. So it's kind of fun for me to be saying, yeah, you know the old saying that um, those who can do, those who can't teach, which I thought was a terrible thing to say. But um, but now I feel like I'm doing it, uh, that I taught my students, but actually I taught myself how to do these things, and now I'm actually doing them. Absolutely. And what's interesting is that you really didn't even know you were going to be doing this while you were teaching the class. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, it always kind of, uh, you know, I always kind of said, wow, the, the life of a reporter must be really interesting. But uh, now I'm not a reporter. I'm a columnist. So, um, but, but it is really interesting. I, I'm finding that I know more, after doing this for three years, I know more about the Norwalk Public Schools than I did in eight years as a member of the Board of Education because I'm inside yes. the schools and I'm inside the classrooms and I'm talking to the teachers and I'm really getting to know what the schools are like. That that would even be great advice for the, um, the, the people who are already on the Board of Ed right now, for them to go in and see for themselves. I know, I know. And um, uh, the thing is when you go in as a board member, people are a little intimidated. When you go in as a kind of friendly reporter who's chit-chatting with you, people are not as defensive. <laughs> but but I think it is good advice for teachers, for board members, to actually try to be in, be in a school. I remember one of our superintendents um, from years ago uh, when uh, before I was on the board, he said at, at a meeting I was at that he was going to go into every ninth grade English class in the two high schools in the following months, and he did, because how can he really talk about what's going on in classrooms if he's never in there? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love your, I love your passion for this and how you're bringing um, out new things for people, even though you may interview a teacher who's doing something different, it could inspire another teacher to do something different also. Well, exactly, and that's my hope, and that's my hope. And, and really, uh, when people comment on the articles, really what they say is, I didn't know these things were happening in Norwalk, mm -hmm. and that's really terrific. Yes, wonderful. What, what, what a wonderful service, um, Ross. That's great. So um, what advice would you give to the listeners about how to make their second half of life just as fulfilling as yours? Well, um, I think there's a couple of things in, involved in it, and I think one is that you have to know yourself. Uh, I knew that I needed to have some structure um, to my life, and I knew I was not going to give up on education. Some people say I never want to think about school again, and they walk out of school. But that wasn't me. I mean, I knew I was too thoroughly invested in it to walk away from it. So you have to know what makes, what gives you pleasure, what you find interesting, and what are the things you like to do. Um, 
and you also have to you have to kind of when when I retired I really had no plan. I really just said I I don't know what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to um enjoy myself, but I I didn't have a plan and that was okay for me and it my plan evolved as I was doing it. But other people may need to really make a very serious plan. I'm definitely going to do this because you have to know yourself. So I would say that's one thing. The other thing I would say that has happened to me is that one thing leads to another. That um, I got involved with one, uh, in, 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 through the writing, I got involved with an organization called Norwalk Acts, which I'm starting to get more and more uh, involved with. So that, you know, not everything has to be planned because things come up and you learn, you meet new people, and you start saying, oh, I'd like to do that. Yeah, let me do that. So that one thing can lead to another, and you don't have to worry so much that everything has to be, you have to have your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Yes, that, that's really good advice. And um, as, you, as we, when, if people have, really don't have a plan and they're open to um, new possibilities, and open to finding out more about themselves that will help them to figure out really what brings them the passion and what brings them meaning. Exactly. And, you know, the beauty of retirement is that nobody can fire you and you can quit any time. So if if you get involved with doing something and you decide, oh, this isn't for me, you just walk away from it. It's not like you're stuck, which can happen when you're in the work world. Um, so you can try things out. You can be experimental in a way that you really can't as easily do that when you're working. It's the wonderful freedom to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and make your own decisions. That's right. That's exactly right. Yes. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. And um, check out the podcast notes on my website at www.refiredontretire.com. And research shows that we could live well into our 80s and 90s. So if you are between the ages of 55 and 75, you have another 20 to 30 years to live. So what are you going to do with those precious years? Will you be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did? Take some reflective time to ponder this question. If you enjoyed this interview, I would love it if you would share it with your family and friends so that they too could be inspired to seek new possibilities. I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to Dr. Cynthia at refiredontretire.com. Go out and live a refired life. That's all for this episode of Boomers on Fire. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Boomers on Fire, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast to get automatic notifications when I publish a new episode. I would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review to help spread the word and help more women reignite the second half of their lives. 